Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, but he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Psalm 27, 14 is a call to courageous waiting. It's a call to develop strength and courage while we're being asked to wait on the Lord. It is a call to patience. Love is patient. I love the old King James word for patience. It's long-suffering. And the biblical idea of patience is that it is the ability to bear up under difficulty without giving up or without giving in to bitterness. So how do you develop patience when it seems like all you're doing is waiting on God to act? David has cried out to the Lord, uh, hear me, respond, act. So in one sense, the question is, how do we develop patience when we're having to deal with the patience of God? See, we're actually waiting on him to act. And so it brings up the question, when is it loving for God to sit and not act? Why would a loving God not act immediately when we cry out to him. We actually have a story that illustrates this in John chapter 11, when Jesus's beloved friend Lazarus is dead. His sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to him that he's sick, and they, they cry out to him, come, the one you love is sick. And then in John 11, verse 5, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and loved her sister. And he loved Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, and what do you expect next? That he jumped up, he eliminated all of his plans, he moved heaven and earth to get there immediately as fast as he can? No, it says he waited two days longer in the place where he was. Why would he wait? How is his waiting loving them? 
Actually, it's his waiting that is going to train them for their waiting. See, notice what he does when he actually comes. We'll just focus on how he, his waiting is loving Martha. And so when Jesus comes, Martha runs out to him and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, why did you wait? If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. We would not have experienced death. We would not be grieving or suffering or sorrowing right now. And then Jesus points her attention to the fact that her brother's going to rise again. And Martha says to him in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, what that is, is that's a first century platitude. It's a cliche. It's like, I know that he's in a better place now. But what Jesus is wanting to do and the reason why he waits is because he is loving her because he wants to turn her pious platitudes personal. He wants to convert her thoughts from the abstract belief in what will take place on the last day to a living, personalized belief in him and him alone as the only one who can provide it. See, when she says, I know that he will rise again, it's like saying, I know he's in heaven, he's in a better place, and Jesus can see right through it. He knows that what she is saying, she believes with her head, she does not actually believe in her heart. That's why in verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, his waiting was actually a test to strengthen her, to see if she really believed in her heart what she was saying with her mouth. And this is the greatest need of the church in almost any age and in any area where everyone knows all of the cliches. Like they can say, oh, it's a God thing. You have to let go and let God. I know it will all work out in the end. Or any cliche that you can hear on the Christian radio station. But the question is, the reason why he's going to wait in their time of sorrow is because he wants to know, is there any blood running through the veins of the cliches? He wants to move her from a vague, sentimental faith to a living, vibrant faith. He's got to turn the platitudes personal. The theology that she claims to know in her head has to catch fire in her heart and soul. And what she needs and what we need is is the vibrant, extraordinary promises of the gospel brought explosively to life. And so it's actually through his patience is the school to produce patience in us. And then what Jesus is going to do for her is actually rewrite the story. He's going to teach her that out of her brother's death will come glory. So we see in verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, the great promise here is that you will see my glory. So how can we get our heart into a place where we can wait? It can be strong. It can take courage. Because we know that while we wait, we're waiting to see a greater glory. We know that one day he will take cancer itself and he will kill it. One day he will take death itself and he will kill it. Tears will die. Grief will die. Mourning will die. Pain will die. All the old things will pass away. And it is in his waiting that he is redefining love for us. 
Love is doing whatever you have to do to help them see the glory of God. So why does love wait when we cry? Because love is preparing us for something better to come. And it's in that knowledge that we can learn. It's once we believe this, that we can develop the strength to wait for the Lord and be strong and courageous. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Ghost of